0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. And, and all of us, we've encountered people that it's, for some of us it's positive, for some of us it's negative uh, because of words people have spoken over your life or over my life, things that people have said. And um, and especially in your formative years, in the first six or seven years of your life, most of your identity is formed. And uh, a lot of us get impacted in great ways. Um, and especially if you come out of a home that sometimes is broken, there's a fatherless home, or uh, maybe you've, you've suffered divorce, come out of a divorced home. You know, we live in a broken society, and there's a lot of stuff that would define you and I. And uh, and that's why you know some of us come into the kingdom of God and we have this experience with God, and yet we sometimes suffer. We we sort of say, what's my identity? How do I get established in the faith? How do I how do I grow? Now, for me, when I was in in grade ten, uh, I grew up in church, and there was this one teacher that just said, hey. Co triple one oh seven. Your window is open. Okay, that's not what he said. This one teacher said that, um, hey, I'm, I love Christ and I'm going to live fully for Christ, you know. And so, um, and so I started to check him out for six months because I thought, like, as a Christian, you cannot be that fulfilled, you know, because then things will go wrong and you will praise God. And I thought, like, no, this is too crazy. Yeah. And um, But then on the 4th of April, 1989, I walked up to him, I said to him, Mr. Smith, the Jesus that you know and the Jesus that I know is not the same. And then I walked into this place of getting to know the real Jesus. It wasn't a religious Jesus or a Jesus of culture. Because a lot of people worship a Jesus of culture or a Jesus of events. And um, And... Although God reached into my life, I stuttered and couldn't talk properly. He set me free. I, I really experienced uh, no depression anymore, no any of that stuff or that fears. But then came this road to embark on. And how many of you know? After you've given your life to Christ, um, you not He doesn't come and do some magic in your life. He says, "Come, follow me, and I will make you." <laughs> And so few people and even so few churches today are allowing God in the making process. So so in the next couple of weeks, the three or four weeks leading, we're going to in our small groups also talk about this. So a lot of you, I spammed you at 3 p.m. How many of you received a WhatsApp with the slides? Okay, just like, let's see how good the communication is. Raise it very high. If you did not receive it, your zone leader didn't do their job. Okay, so just go to them and say, sorry, you should have sent it. If you're not in a small group, then hey, sign up afterwards. But Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus did not say to us, hey, go and build great churches. Jesus didn't say, hey, have a great name, Shofar have great Christian events. He said, and he spoke to them in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in the heaven and on the earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, seems like the Australians were here part of this translation, lo, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise. God's manifest presence with us in the context of discipleship. Now, what is discipleship? What is a disciple? Because Jesus said, hey, don't, don't go and make converts. Don't go and have great church events. He says, go into the nations and make disciples. And the word for discipleship is simply starts by a follower of Christ. But the right word is actually an apprentice, somebody that learns from Christ, somebody that follows Christ, somebody that walks in the ways of Christ. And that's why we call ourselves little Christians. We represent Christ. And and a lot of people struggle with this concept because we have these events and we have sometimes these experiences. But I trust tonight that each one of us are going to commit ourselves to this process of discipleship. Being discipled and then discipling others. Because the time of just somebody standing in front here and doing all the ministry, that time of church is, is over. The time of the church in the world is where... Ordinary people are being used by God to bring the kingdom of God. You know, there was somebody that spoke to me this morning and said, you know, no, no, this church as you do it is wrong. We rather want to just meet in three little three groups. And I said, well, maybe that is your interpretation of church. But Jesus said, go and make disciples, not of individuals, but of the nations. Now tell me how on earth are the three of you going to reach the nations? Some people have got massive issues with institutionalized church, meaning that church as an institution. But also marriage is also an institution. Did you know that? And so don't, don't run away from people that have problem with big church. Because Jesus said, hey, we're going to need to disciple the nations. And if you're like a first year, yeah, every June, just in June, we send like, what, 25 teams to almost 30 different nations. And it's amazing, you know, talking this morning to the pastor in the northern parts of India that you, being part of this church, is discipling people in the north, in North India, more than 30 pastors sitting there in tribal villages because you gave money in that little offering bag. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Isn't that like crazy how the church should work? So don't be afraid of that because Jesus said, hey, I want you to disciple nations. And that doesn't mean all of us need to go to the nations. It just means you're going to need to play a part somewhere. And, and run away from people that have all these like isms and all this stuff. Say, God, I want to commit myself to be a disciple, become a disciple, and then also to disciple others. Can I have an amen? amen. Okay. So we're going, to, we're going to in the next couple of weeks, especially in the small groups, going to talk. I'm going to, I'm going to run through some of that stuff. What does it mean to be a disciple or commit yourself to the call of discipleship. Because these were the last words of Jesus, and the last words are probably the most important words. Would you agree? <laughs> he said, like, like, remember this now, guys. Remember, remember. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go away. You're going to do greater works than what I did. That was the promise of Jesus. But he says, go into all the world. Because I've got all authority, I'm sending you with that authority to Stellenbosch University. I'm sending you... To Kales River, or I'm sending you to France. I'm sending you to go and make disciples. So God wants us to disciple nations. Amen. Okay. So what's the first thing? Is to come to Jesus. Discipleship means come. Jesus says, "Come, follow me." And that come means that it starts in a relationship with God Himself. That's when we get born again. that That's what it's about, firstly and foremostly. It's not to do great things for him. It's to come to Jesus. He so says, come to me, to know God intimately. And that, that word int- intimacy, somebody explained it one day and said, it says, into me I see and into you I see. That's what intimacy is, where, where God has got access to your heart. He can look into your heart. He can look into my heart. And there's a vulnerability. There's an openness. There's a real relationship with God. The problem that I have with most Christians in the world today is that the Saturday Christian and the Sunday Christian is not the same person. So people out there in the world, they're really, they're really rough people, you know. They look at the church and they say, uh-uh, fake. Uh-uh, hypocrites. <laughs> so let your walk be your walk and your talk be your talk. Let it be the same. I mean, that's what Jesus said. <laughs> and that's why the only two people, types of people he opposed were the hypocrites and those who were proudful. Those were not humble. He says, because you actors, you're like one one thing on the show and another thing at home. And God says, just be real. That doesn't mean you need to be perfect, but it says, come to me. Come to me. I want intimate relationships. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And part of that relationship is always to glorify God. If you, if you want to know why you and I are here, it's to glorify him. We're not singing songs just because it's nice songs, eh? We, our purpose is to tell the world and show the world how great God is, how glorious, how magnificent, how awesome God is. So we are here to glorify Him. We are here to make Him famous. It's not about you. It's not about me. Amen? Let's glorify Him. That's what Colossians says. And then we love God. We are passionate because you can love Him because He first loved you. There's a place where you love His Word, and that's where the intimacy, intimacy starts. And I want to tell some of you, switch off the YouTube clips, stop listening to all that stuff. Get into your quiet time with God, get into a relationship, talk with Him, share your heart with Him. Tell all the stuff that you're struggling with, just be real with God. But He's not a God up there, He says, no I will be with you right here. <laughs> Amen? You know, it's, it's, it's easy to keep God at a distance. And then we become religious because we want formulas. We want a set of rules. We want to say, hey, but that's why Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, all, all who've got yokes, come and, and, and give. I want to give you water. And when you drink of that water, you will never thirst again. Sure, what an invitation. Drinking of water where you will never thirst again of that water. I must say, you look very far tonight. I, I like being down there. But we just need to make space. So, so, are you still all right there at the back? Okay, just wave at me. Okay, I, I see those five hands. Thank you very much. Okay. So, the first part of discipleship is to come to Jesus. Every day, just come to Him. Now, don't think in terms of, oh, I must spend five hours every day. But just start. If you're struggling, just start 20 minutes. Close the door, switch off the wifi, you know, for some of you, this is part of, you know, just another part, piece of your, of your body, but it, it's, it's not. You can separate this, okay? This is, this is called separation anxiety, you know? Uh, some people, it's like, like, you know, it's like, when, it, it's, crazy, but this, just put this down, switch it off, wifi, you know, just, just like, you, you, you can go without it for at least 20 minutes, amen? <laughs> So start tomorrow. Start with 20 minutes. Start somewhere, and you say, "God, I want to know You." Holy Spirit, help me to know God. And it's amazing how God will reveal You because that's always we all every day we come to Christ. Every, every day there's there's an openness and a hunger and a thirst to know Him, and that's part of discipleship. You're never going to stop growing. Don't your neighbor know, say, "Hey, never arrive with God." Okay, now we're going to start picking up some speed. You know, this this teacher would, um, for a year, this teacher which led me to Christ and 14 other guys in, at school, he, he, was, he was a bit of a rookie, rough diamond in the kingdom. I love rough diamonds. Any rough diamonds here? You know, you're like, phew, yeah, you're very emotional. Sometimes up there, sometimes, you know, it's just, God loves rough diamonds. Okay. But he was a rough diamond. He just believed God for everything, you know. And, and they would say, like, hey, he canceled everything because he needs to fly up to Joburg. And then he goes up, and then he's got this interview with the CEO and people of De Beers. And he just walk in there and says, hey, I just want to testify of God's goodness. I don't want your bursary. I want to talk to you about Jesus. And then he gets words of knowledge for each one of them. They all fall on their face, repent. It turns out, he says, thank you for your time. The Lord bless you. I don't want your bursary, but you need God. So I thought like, okay, it's like I'm Stephen, you know, Stephen who spoke last week, I I so laugh, because Stephen has, uh, you know, he he has got respect for people, but whether you are like a beggar on the street or the president, it doesn't matter to him, everybody needs a saviour. So he was in the Pentagon speaking in the Pentagon. And then this guy walked up to him and says, hey, can I get your notes? And he said, yes, here's your notes. And he got the notes. He gave him the notes. And and Stephen asked this man with this big cowboy hat on, "Uh, can I get your business card? And then the guy just leaned over to him and says, the president of the United States don't have business cards. (laughs) It was George W. Bush. So I said, oh, okay, so you are the president. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, just so like, by the way, but you also need Jesus, I mean, <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Every person, they need Jesus, yeah? But so this teacher would walk a road and, and, and even after he left the race that we were in for, for almost a year, every day he drove in from Wellington and at quarter past nine till quarter to ten when it was lights out, he would stand outside of the window and he would take his Bible and he would teach us, and he would say, this is what God is doing, observe, you know, and I didn't even know that was discipleship, but on weekends, he took us away, and then he would pray, and he would say, oh, you know, and then he would march around us, and take oil, I thought like, what is these crazy people doing with all this oil, you know, they're just oil, 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 you know, and and he had one of these little bottles with oil that had like a, you know, underarm roller inside, so it was much easier, so he just rolled everything around, you know, and I was thinking like, these people are crazy, you know, But there was something inside of him that I couldn't deny was a passion to follow Jesus. A hunger for God. And the second thing he taught me was like, hey, you need to learn to count the cost if you want to be a disciple. And this is part of the gospel that most of the charismatic church has walked away from. We say, hey, come to Jesus. But Jesus said, if you want to come to me, come to me. I'm I'm going to give you something. There's going to be a great exchange. You cannot earn it. You cannot... You don't deserve it, but he's going to give it to you freely, but it's going to cost you something. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's going to give it to you freely. You cannot earn it, but you're going to, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your life. And that's why Matthew 16 says, hey, when you come to me, Jesus says, you have to deny yourself. You have to say no to certain things. No, but, but God just wants to bless me. Uh uh-uh, That's not the gospel. He says, you've got some problems. Now, when you go to the doctor, you don't go into the doctor's room and say, no, 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 no. Da- hey, doc, how are you? And the doctor looks at you and says, why are you here? And when we go to the doctor, we say, like, uh, I've got a problem. It's a huge problem. Fix it. And you know when you come to Jesus, he's gonna fix some stuff. <laughs> but it's based in his love, and so you have to say no to the world. And the biggest challenge in your life is the flesh. And then starts this road of holy living. Now I always thought like holy living is like this water that you have and you sprinkle people, and you're like, Woo-hoo, woo-hoo! Holy, holy, holy. Oh, sorry, James, that was almost your guitar. Holy, holy, yeah. And then we talk differently. Oh, the Lord is in His holy place. And He really loves you. And do not smile in church. Stiff upper lip, you know? And, and I think, like, why do you talk differently? You know? Don't talk differently. Just like, God can hear you in your normal voice, you know. It's amazing how we change. Holy living is just a different, separate. God says, come. Come live a separate life. And that's the process of sanctification and transformation that we go through. Your whole life is a surrender to God. Transformation of the way you think. Sanctification of the things in your heart because you've got some old habits. Things that need to change. So therefore, even when you come tonight, it's not just about coming to church and having a great experience. As you are sitting here and we're sharing the Word and we're sharing Scripture and you're coming to the presence of God, Scripture says you are being washed, you are being cleansed by the Word. So the Word is eternal, and that's why you have to read Scripture. Read it out loud. Get it into your life. Because the more you get the Scripture in, the more the devil goes out. Amen? A Scripture a day keeps the devil away. That's not in Moses five verse twelve. Okay, but in any case, but Romans twelve says, "Hey, be transformed by the renewing of your mind." So, so I want to sometimes fight with people, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not fighting with you tonight. But I get a bit tense when people plan their whole weekend, but God doesn't even feature. I don't know. Maybe 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 I just grew up like that. Hey. I planned my whole weekend around, when I was a student, I planned it around being in church. So that I can be transformed and sanctified. And then I added all the rest and all the other socials. I never skipped church, not morning or evening. Not to be religious, but because I understood. I'm going to stand before Him one day. And I want to learn, I want to be discipled. I don't want a religious experience and think that I'm good. No, no, I want to say, God, He is a sinner like me, come and change me. Whoa, and then part of counting the cost is you're going to need to learn to endure. You're going to need to learn to go through persecution. Where people say bad stuff about you and where the opinion of people are broken down over your life. So that you and I can learn that it's only God's opinion that matters. And that's why what, what is God saying about you? What is he saying over you? What is he saying to you? Oh, and sometimes you're going to even, especially in church, you're going to get offended. I remember one of my best friends, you know, after I, it took me three months after I got saved to go up to him and to tell him of the depression that I struggled with. And so I took all the guts that I could, you know, and I went up to him and I say, look here, I need to tell you, I, I need to talk to you about this thing. I wanted to commit suicide, but, but hey, will you pray with me? And But now I started to talk, and as I spoke, in the half of half of my sentence, he started to laugh. He says, oh, no, that's nothing, man. You don't struggle with depression. He stood up and he walked out. And I thought, like, in my head, I didn't say it. I said, I'm not going to trust these church people. And it took me nine months to recover of that one thing. And I went to him, I said, I'm offended with you. He said, do you know what? I just didn't know what to do. So I walked out. That's normally what my dad did when there was any conflict. I'm very sorry. Now we're still best friends. (laughs) 29 years later and we're still best friends. But we had to deal with some of that stuff. That endurance, the persecution. Are you still with me? We're almost halfway. Okay, so let's pick up some speed. The call of Christ. And we're going to come back to some of some of these things. I'm going to just, we'll put it on the, on the Facebook page as well. So we're talking about the C's. Coming to Christ. The call of Christ is the third one. The C's of discipleship. I tried to make it the D's of discipleship, but it didn't work. Okay, so let's fix it on the C's. But the call of Christ means that there's a purpose is for you and I to become Christ-like. The call of Christ is not just to be a churchgoer, but Jesus said, I want to make you into fishers of men. I want to make you a laborer. So part of discipleship is not to have a lot of Christian events, but it's to say to God, God, as I come, as I present myself, I want to become a laborer in your kingdom. I want to see the kingdom of God come through my life. And that's why the, the Bible says, "Love God, but love your neighbor." And some of them, they're not lovable. <laughs> why are you looking to that person on the left there? No money, checking in checking. OK? Somebody's up to you. <laughs> you know? But that's why the scripture says, "Seek first the kingdom of God." So God says, "Come, I'm going to make you. You're going to be sanctified. Come to me, I'm going to make you, but I'm going to make you into being a fisher of men." <laughs> I'm going to show you why you're really here. And that's why the greatest thing in your life is to do the will of God. I love what Jesus said after the disciples came back, the woman at the well came. And, and he says, my food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. He says, that's more, more real to me than the food I eat every day. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. John 4. I think it's verse 34. Verse 34. And so so God says, now I want to show you the calling, I want to show you the destiny, why you are here. First, who you are, that happens when you come to Him. And now He says, I want to show you who you are, I want to show you why you're here, and I, I want to release you to be a disciple, to be my ambassador, to be a laborer. In Luke 10, Jesus said, hey, look here, we've got a problem here. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we don't come to small groups just because we have, have a nice time. We don't come on Friday night to the worship event just to say, hey, another nice event. We're coming to see God's face because as we come into his presence, we behold him and then we are changed. It's not because we sing nice songs, it's not because it's because of the presence of God, because of the call of God on your life and on my life. Amen. Whew, the amens get flow. What is that in English? The A means get flour, flower. I don't know. Dimmed. Sure. The fourth thing of discipleship, and we're going to unpack some of it over the weeks to come in the small groups, is you are going to need to learn that it takes some commitment. Now, you, I mean, thank you very much. Who said, "Amen"? The Lord bless you. Yeah. That was the best place to say amen. (laughs) So the commitment means that a disciple, in the center of the word disciple, means a disciplined follower of Christ. Oh, and, and let me confess here. We as the charismatic and Pentecostal church, we're not good at discipline. We want to flow with the new flow. And then we want to dance around all the stuff, and we want to say, "Oh, do you feel? Do you feel?" You know. And then you're like, "Oh, no, no, no! Last week I stood like that. This week I'm lying like this on the floor. It's all about the position. Okay, one leg up, one leg down. At least I can do my calisthenics. So, what did I do? That stuff where the people roll on that ball? Like, yo, oh, you know, I, a new experience. Something like." A new word. Yo, I've had people prophesy over me new words like crazy. And you think like, whoa, that's not scriptural. I actually met a pastor one day. He said to me, the Lord gave me a word. I must divorce my wife because God is going to do a new thing. (laughs) And the crazy part is three other people said, oh, yes, pastor, preach it. Now I wanted to ask them, are you all in sin? Are you sleeping around? What are you doing? Let's be honest here. Sure. But part of your lifestyle is a discipline of prayer, a discipline of reading the word, a discipline of fellowship. You need fellowship. Don't be isolated. The devil is going to take you out if you're going to try to be a lone ranger. You need the input and encouragement and accountability of other people. Communion, fasting solitude. Some of you don't know that word if you come from the free state. Okay? Quietness, meditation. Oh, no, no, no. Now I knew the show of people they're into Eastern meditation. No, meditation is very scriptural. But it's not about emptying yourself like the Eastern religions. It's about filling yourself. Filling yourself with the word. Filling yourself with the presence of God. Filling yourself with the right counsel of people around you. That's why you have to have a quiet time. It's not called a noisy time. It's not called a screaming time. It's not called a doof-doof time. It's called a quiet time. And these are disciplines. And do you know what? You need to learn how to pray. And that's why at the root of that discipleship, Jesus says, hey, and teach them to observe. (laughs) So it's monkey see, monkey do. Monkey hear, monkey say. Means just simply you're going to need to learn how do I pray. You need to learn how do I worship. It does. It's not going to come like natural to you. It's called disciplines, a disciplined follower of Jesus. And so, living this Christian life is is not like oh my goodness, yeah, I know God is a spoil sport. I remember this one guy. He's not here. He's overseas. He's playing in. In a county cricket in, in England, and um, we were driving in the mountains of Nepal, in in the north, and, and I, I'll never forget his comment. He was sitting there, and he says, "I have never thought that Christianity could be so adventurous. Following God is so much fun. Through the hardships, through the great ships, through the all the ships." Not three ships, that's whiskey, okay? Not not that. That's not from the Lord. Is three ships a whiskey, JP? Why are you nodding your head like that? <laughs> Other people, yeah, no, check them out, okay. But see, part of that is is a, is a disciplined life. And it means that for many stuff we're going to need to say no. Not that God takes it away, but some stuff is good for you. Like vegetables. Especially broccoli and Brussels sprouts. I don't know why God created it, but to test our discipline. Say, so Lord, deliver me from this stuff in my plate. Because, you know, broccoli, have you ever looked at broccoli? When you look at it, it grows on your plate. It gets bigger. You have to kill it first. Always eat it first. Let me give you a tip. Kill the broccoli. And then the Brussels sprouts, when you eat it, pray. Say, Lord, loose it into my stomach. Loose it, you know. Because that, how many of you eaten Brussels sprouts? It's this little small stuff. It looks like, and it goes and it and it feels like yucky, juicy, like and it goes down and it always gets stuck right there. It fights with Adam, Adam's apple. There's always like you know Brussels sprouting against Adam. There's like a massive war going on there. And you go like water and Hallelujah. Okay. Always check. Always check. That mother-in-law, she will put that on your plate. <laughs> she will test you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm tonight running through these things just to give us an overview. Because we're going we're to talk through this stuff. Be, because there are so few people that actually know how to disciple others or how to become a disciple. What does it mean? Because we are good at playing church. And I want to say to you, it's great that you are here tonight. But you have to become a disciple of Jesus. It's great that we can worship together and lie on our faces and, and that's great. But one day, you will stand before him alone. Shofar is not going to stand there. Your friends are not going to be there. And then he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Not, well, what have you done? <laughs> well done. Amen? Well done. Some of you are going to get that a bit later. Okay, so the fifth thing is community. And part of this is God will set you up to live in relationship with other people that are different. They've got other giftings than you. They maybe come from other cultures. That's why I love this church because it's not just a white or a black or a pink church. I love the noisy black people here. You've got rhythm. Hallelujah! Okay, it's just beautiful. You know, I can't. Nasisa goes like, to, turn to the left when she's, th- she's already to the right. Then I still go to the left. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, but it feels good. It sounds good. You know, you know, I can't smile and d- do that at the same time. You know, but but I'm trying. You know, I'm you know, because I'm trying to focus on all those long words on the board there and do the slide. It doesn't work for me. Oh, but I enjoy it so much. I mean. Because that's where we can learn from each other. But that community and that fellowship, it's called your family, your spiritual family. And more than ever in the church, because there are so many people that are broken, we need to lock hands. You need to be part of a small group. And it's not always going to be nice. Sometimes they're going to frustrate you. Sometimes maybe you're going to be spiritually on another level than them. But you need relationship. And that's why scripture talks about in Ephesians and many other scriptures. That they are fathers, they are young men and women, they are children. Because you know what, there's, there's two little guys sitting here in front. Hey. Aiden, J.D. Hello, y'all. <laughs> but you know, I don't see them as church members. I see them as family. So as a father in the house that has children, I say, hey, they're my children as well. And community has always been designed to be that, where we look after each other, where there are spiritual fathers and their are natural fathers. And so God has been speaking to us as a church. We, we're going we're gonna to get everybody that's, that's in the church that hasn't got fathers or mothers We're going to pray for you. We're going to assign people to you that's going to look after you. Because you're not supposed to live an isolated individual life fighting on your own. And that's why church becomes more important in this discipleship process. is to become a family, but also a place where there can be accountability. The biggest challenge in this world is a spirit called an antichrist spirit. And secondly, a lawless spirit. And lawlessness just means is everybody takes a right into themselves. They say, I want to be my own boss and I don't want to be accountable to anybody. Huh? I don't want other people to speak into my life. And so you hear a lot of Christians that say, no, I'm accountable to God. I'm following Jesus. I say, yeah, okay, but who talks into your marriage? So on Thursday morning, or no, sorry, Tuesday morning somewhere I was sitting there with Johnny and Tani DeLeste, they are elders, in Franschuk, 80 years old, been in ministry for 30 years. And I sit there and I say, okay, um, Johnny, ask me all the tough questions. Because I gave you the right to speak into my life as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. So ask me all the questions. Ask me about sex. Ask me about finances. Ask me about everything you want to because I need you. And three times a year, I fly up to him, Angus, and for two days, him and me, we sit and I say, okay, or ask me all the difficult questions. Then he says, how long were you on missions? Because remember when we spoke on London Heathrow that day? No, 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 you can't be away from home for four weeks. Because we were there for two weeks and then we, I flew to Switzerland and he came back to South Africa. And he said, sat me down and he said, never again. Four weeks. No, and you don't travel alone. Oh, and I want to get offended. Who are you speaking into my life? I'm a (laughs) pastor. And pastors are perfect. PP, you know, CC, PP. Oh, did you not notice that? But it doesn't work like that. You are human. And if you don't have regular stop streets, you're going to pick up speed, but you're not going to realize the brakes have failed long ago. So you need stop streets in your life. I remember this one day, they put in a new stop street. And this has got nothing to do with the sermon. But, yeah, in Victoria, a new stop street. And I was driving with a bus, but I'm so used to driving there. And you at the old age home. They've put in a new stop street overnight. And I'm like, minding my own business, not looking in the road, because I was like, watching what's going on around me. And the next moment, I see the stop street, and an old, 80-year-old lady walking over the road. And I slam the brakes, and I go like, and I just touch the hem of a garment. <laughs> she pulled out that stick. She hit the window. The pa, pa, and then came the finger. I slowly closed the window, leaned over, and locked the door. I said, Lord, I don't want the wrath of this auntie to come upon me, so she's going to kill me. And I said, Lord, let this windscreen just like... That's got nothing to do with the sermon, but you need stop streets in your life. okay? Otherwise, and that's accountability, people, and we don't like it, but it's part of discipleship. And then you need to be part of a greater vision. Say, hey, Lord, how are we? You know, God never intended to be my father. He said, our father. When you pray, pray our father. Don't pray my father. Our father in heaven. Isn't that amazing? But part of that vision is to walk with God, is to know God. Next week, we're going to look a little bit more about this last slide. The the sixth c is called the Comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit. Because God says, in this process, you're going to know the Holy Spirit, which is called the Spirit of Truth. You cannot do discipleship because you've got nice books that you read and you're trying intellectual pursuit. Every person is different. Every person is in a different time, space in their life, season in their life. Some of you have just committed your life to Christ in the last three weeks. Where are you? If you've, if you've committed your life to Christ in the last three weeks, raise your hand quickly. Just raise it. Don't be shy. It's looking like great. You know? So, okay. And that's that's amazing. Some of you made recommitments. and You said, whoa, you know, this, this train has been running in the wrong direction. But, you know, once you come into this community, then the Holy Spirit... You have those upper room experiences. And that's why a church like this is very important because we talk about corporate worship and celebration before God. Where God speaks to us together. But where the Holy Spirit is the teacher, I mean. Because <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, will, I will never forget it. One day I was, I was preaching a, a sermon and it just happened that I forgot the punch at the end. I don't know how it happened, but I was preaching my heart out and then I realized that amen, prayed for people and, and, and then I realized, but I never came to the, came to actually what I wanted to say. I just like forgot. And now I'm tense. I'm discouraged, you know, because especially in our culture, we're a bit performance orientated, so we never want to miss stuff. Was. So I go home, I didn't sleep the whole night. I said, oh Lord, I've missed you completely. I'm a worm. You know, we sing those worm songs. Worm, 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 worm. Worm, worm, I don't know if you ever I don't know if I said but, said. <laughs> but so, don't you ever sing songs like that? It's just in your head sometimes, you know, I'm a worm. I'm not good enough for God. I failed God. And then God says, don't worry. It's my church. It's not your church. Okay. I will build my church. So I think like I've missed it completely. Now the Wednesday night I go and visit a small group. And normally in small groups we talk a lot about what has been shared on a Sunday. And so now I'm sitting there and I'm just visiting. And so the group, there's about twelve guys sitting there. And they start to talk about the sermon. I'm thinking, like, oh my chantas, we have missed it completely. Lord, let the rapture happen, you know. <laughs> For three days. And so 12 of these guys were sitting there and then one after the other they said, wow, do you know what? What was shared there was, was like this and this and this. But then the Holy Spirit started to reveal more to me. And all 12 got the punchline from God Himself. And I said, Wow. Lord, you are ready, the teacher here. <laughs> this is really your church. <laughs> I got deliverance. Because I realized, like, it's not up to me. I'm not building this church. Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit is. We must just give him room. <laughs> and that's so beautiful about discipleship. As we all follow, as we all become, as we're all sanctified. And tonight we're going to baptize some people. It's they taking a the next step. And we're all going to celebrate. We're going to shout our lungs out. Because, yeah, you know. Others are in different seasons. But as we all grow together, we're becoming disciples. And all of us, we're learning. All of us, there are people that you must learn from. And then there are other people that must learn from you. Because you're not a disciple unless you have started to disciple somebody else. You're not a disciple of Jesus unless you've started to say, hey. And you don't. this, This is crazy now. Listen here. That person doesn't need to be saved for you to disciple them. You're just starting to share your heart. You're starting to share values and principles. And by the time they get saved, it's like, phew. <laughs> How many of you experienced that you pray for somebody, maybe for five years, and once they get saved, then suddenly they're like, you still on a slow walk. They're like, phew. There they go. It's like five years of praise just kick in. You see I'm go, wow, wow. You know, that kind of army that just irritates you, you know, like F1. He's like, whoa, this guy's outrunning me. Because all of those prayers that kick in. So, so where do you start with discipling? By just praying for people that don't know God. Praying for the person next to you. Some of you have had people praying for you for a long time. Those grannies. That when you come there, there's always a Bible. Open. And it's not at the same place all the time. Where's Donnie? Donnie, I saw Donnie here. Yeah. I think it was you, Donnie. Where's Donnie? Donnie told me that when he would go home, he'd always take the bookmark and just move it on. When he, was still not, when he wasn't saved, he would always use the bookmark and just because he knew his mom or his grandmother would always go and check if he's reading his Bible. So he figured it out. Just move the bookmark a couple of chapters on every time when you get there. You know. <laughs> oh, but those grannies, they know. <laughs> they know all your sins. Hallelujah. Because they've been in the throne room of God. They've been asking, Lord, save that. You can run, but you can't hide. That's what they pray over you. <laughs> I'm going to finish up with one story like this. You know, there was Yaku, uh, Prince Louis, a pastor in, in, in Pretoria. And we started the soul-winning society. So we were going out. And, and all we did is we just said, Lord, send people to us that's got a need of the gospel. So they in the Nielsi, we're standing there. There's this big thing where you look down. Um, the you know sort of a circle at at the top there, and so as we 're we 're praying there's we just got this word there 's somebody running is running away from God, and it 's got a red jacket on so it 's only lunch, forty minutes we have, so that 's what we did over lunch. We just went together and just shared about christ naturally it wasn 't like a hey let 's let 's do evangelism now that's, we just did it because it 's amazing to talk to people about jesus i mean I mean hey every Christian should do that that's why we become a minister of the gospel but so now we're standing there and we're just looking over and we're checking where is this person with a red jacket and Gona. here comes a guy running into the Nilse, and he runs but he's sweating and he runs and he stops and he looks out over, over the over this balcony and he looks down there and as he looks up the two of us turn to him red jacket We say, we've been praying for you. He says, oh, no. (laughs) Say, yeah, yeah. We've been praying for you. We've got a word from the Lord for you. Stop running away from God. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then his heart turned to God. He got saved. Then he told us a story. Said my grandmother phoned me at six AM this morning from somewhere Beaufort West. Still. So, Centrale, you know. number please. That like I've lost eighty percent of you, but in any case, so and this is the word she said to him. Said, Sean, the Lord told me last night that today is your day of salvation. You can run, but you cannot hide. I've been praying for you. So I dare you. Try to run away from God today. But the Lord showed me that there's going to be two servants that's going to wait for you. You're going to run straight into them. And then they're going to say what I say to you right now because I've been praying for you. Stop running away from God. Sean, it's your time of salvation. And so Sean runs right into us. Because he wanted to go and grab something to eat. And he thought, three minutes. I just need to see nobody today. Just give me three minutes. And I'm so hungry. I'm going to run into the news. and grab something. Get out. And as he runs to just check, where are the two servants? They're standing right next to him. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, yeah, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Show for TV. Go to www.chevronline.tv to download and share.